and welcome to Airwaves. Airwaves is the result of a collaboration between Berkeley Law's student-led pro bono program and California Lawyers for the Arts. We are the leaders of this project. My name is Stephanie. And my name is Ross. This is a platform where we pursue the most intriguing, pressing, and cutting-edge topics at the intersection of the arts and the law. You will hear conversations between Berkeley Law students and attorneys, experts, and contents of these conversations are not intended to be treated as legal advice and have been reviewed and approved by California Lawyers for the Arts. All right, hello everyone. So my name is Kaylin Adikwe. I am Rainy. And I'm Shenming. All right, and let's get started. So the world was put on pause back in 2020 when the COVID-19 pandemic struck various communities throughout the world. As a result, everything shut down. From our favorite restaurants to the school systems, even Broadway productions had to figure out what to do. People had to learn of new ways to access these facilities such as ready-made restaurant-to-go orders, Zoom school, and a new way of performing through live streaming. Digitizing shows may not be an entirely new concept, but it has definitely become more prevalent since the start of the pandemic. After having to cancel shows, many performing arts studios began broadcasting screenplays and musicals through platforms such as Broadway HD, YouTube, Facebook Live, and Instagram Live in order to follow the COVID-19 safety regulations and keep their fans entertained and satisfied with content. But how did this new idea of live performances impact the legal realm of the performing arts industry? As social media is a very popular means of easily distributing content, issues of copyright infringement surface as a result of recording being harder to regulate, in addition to the unlawful distribution of content and the increasing difficulties of obtaining licensing. In this podcast, we're going to be discussing a wide range of facets that impeded the theater industry amidst the pandemic. We will be talking about the production of such shows and the change of business models, the distribution of that content on online streaming platforms, and topics dealing with securing copyrights, licenses, and distribution risks. With that, I'd like to introduce our guest speaker, who I'm very excited to hear from, Doug Nevin. He is an award-winning producer, twice nominated for a Tony Award, and recognized nationally as a lawyer. Hi, Doug. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you for asking. So we're going to ask you a few questions on your experience within the industry during the pandemic. Is that okay? Absolutely. All righty. So let's start with the first one. So simply tell us about yourself, the kind of work that you do, and how you got started in the industry. Um, I run, so, so I run a law firm uh, based in New York, uh, the Nevin Law Group, um, and we are a boutique entertainment firm servicing primarily uh, the theater industry, Broadway, off-Broadway, touring, and uh, and also uh, around the world. Nice, nice. So we know that there are some positives of digitizing Broadway shows, for example, expanding fan base, but there are also negatives. So can you talk briefly about how COVID-19 has negatively impacted the business, whether from the legal or production perspective, and the work of your clients? And if there are any positives you'd like to note, please feel free to share. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, I think it goes without saying that the pandemic and the and the, you know, government regulated shutdowns that resulted, you know, from the from the emergence of the pandemic, obviously um, forced, uh, you know, a, a pretty much total shutdown of the theater industry, um, you know, throughout the United States and, and really pretty much, you know, throughout the world with, with some limited exceptions. Um, 
And so, you know, you had a robust, uh, you know, billion dollar tourist industry that, that essentially went, uh, you know, went to, went to sleep effectively overnight. Um, and that impacted not only, you know, all the artists and creatives, um, you know, and, and crew members and, you know, support positions, you know, anybody who makes their living tangentially uh, from the live performing arts, but also um, it really impacted cities, you know, and hotels and restaurants and businesses in the areas. Um, Broadway, for example, you know, is really the largest uh, tourism driver, um, you know, in the city and the state of New York and, and you know, nationally even. And so the, the total pause, obviously, um, you know, had huge economic ripples throughout, throughout the community and throughout the world. Um, it did require pivoting, uh, I think, to, you know, to some degree of not necessarily moving live productions online, but in creating, um, you know, digital performances or digital, you know, streaming performances, performances from home, et cetera. Um, you know, it, this also timed, I think, with, with two other sort of emerging developments. One is live performance that is in fact digitally transmitted at the same time that it is being performed live um, from a performance space. Um, and that is something that I think we'll, we'll probably continue to see a, a bit of that. Um, but then also the distribution of professionally captured live captures of major productions. And, and, and some of that was you know, a lot of the captures that actually were distributed during the shutdown were not, none of them were filmed during the shutdown, except for um, one or two come from away and Diana. Um, but you know, when you look at Hamilton on Disney plus or what the constitution means to me on Amazon, those were actually filmed prior. Um, I do believe that in the case of Hamilton, you know, part of the decision that was made to distribute it, um, you know, on the Disney Plus platform was because people were at home and because, you know, the initial, um, the initial sort of audiovisual release, um, you know, further out didn't make as much sense when you could provide, you know, this, this content into people's homes. Uh, but, but I think, you know, it, it's just important to note sort of the distinction between, um, what is content created for the digital marketplace only, which is a lot of what we saw during the pandemic um, with pieces like Ratatouille the musical, for example, um, versus um, a digital add-on. So subscription houses, um, you know, perhaps a lot providing that in addition to being able to purchase a ticket to go and view, to view a you know, performance live, in the theater, but to also uh, log in from, from home, which is something that I think will probably continue in, in some way. And then the third is sort of the professionally, you know, captured live captures um, of the Hamilton constitution come from away ilk. Yeah, that's definitely a good point. That was something I was thinking about how um, Hamilton was put on Disney Plus. Um, it definitely allowed, you know, a larger fan base. And I think that that's something that will continue post a uh, COVID-19 pandemic that people will start to do that to continue expanding because I never heard about Hamilton before and um, was able to see that on Disney Plus and that was something I was very interested in. Um, so I'm also aware that not everyone was completely ready to embrace 
digitizing shows since it's a common belief in theater that theater is meant for the stage and the stage only. Um, so once, so since the pandemic started, what's a ballpark estimate of the number of shows you've experienced going online? And of those experiences, how did that work out? What can you recall from those times? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that I could really give a, a ballpark estimate of, you know, of the number of like digital events that happen. And again, I think that there's a big, there is sort of a, a big difference between the distribution on a major platform of a professionally captured live performance um, versus, you know, what was a lot of digital theater, right, which was created um, for theaters and artists to, you know, kind of stay engaged and, and earn some money and, and, and keep their sanity during the pandemic. Um, and often those were done, you know, as uh, benefits, you know, as fundraisers, et cetera. Um, but, you know, there were, I think that there were some kind of seminal moments, you know, during that era, probably Ratatouille, uh, the TikTok musical, um, which aired, you know, on January 1st of 2021, I think was probably one of, you know, one of the major sort of digital theater events. There were also, you know, benefits of various plays. Terrence McNally's um, Lips Together, Teeth Apart was done as a benefit. Um, Michael Urey uh, revisited Buyer and Seller as a benefit for Broadway Cares Equity Fights Apes from his apartment. Um, you know, things like that. And, and I think, so I think that that was, those events I think were a combination of sort of creative need, um, but I think also providing, a you know, a service, you know, bringing theater and art into people's homes at a time that they couldn't come to the theater. All right. Thank you so much. Um, so before the pandemic, um, have you ever worked with any street streaming platforms, had any expertise in it? Um, and what experiences can you share once, a co once COVID struck on how that affected your business? Like, how did you guys start to shift into those streaming platforms. So no, so that's a so that's an interesting question. So we we had experience with sort of the professionally captured live captures. Um, our firm was production council on what the Constitution means to me, both on Broadway and on tour. And so when the Broadway production of Constitution was being captured, um, and it would ultimately you know be distributed on Amazon, well, we we were able to advise our you know production producer clients on. On that on that transaction, um, so so those were that was the kind of transaction that we were familiar with. The notion of creating something purely digitally, uh, like the Ratatouille, the TikTok musical, that was at least in my experience, sort of born of the pandemic, right? Because theater is kind of by its very definition um, performed live in front of you know in front of an audience. Um, in a in a communal environment, right, where the audience and cast are in the same place at the same time, um, and the audience is in some ways a character in the story. So that that's different when you are, um, you know, when you're streaming something digitally and the audience is not there. All right, I completely I completely understand everything you're saying. Um, so my one of my final questions before I turn it over to my partner here is one thing the pandemic gave us was realizing how valuable technology is and how much we can accomplish with it. But so as we go move forward, 
How do you anticipate business going post the COVID-19 era? With the reopening of theaters, how do you see online streaming of shows going in the near future? I know we kind of tackled this a little bit before, but um, do you have any further insight into that? Yeah, I mean, my my sense is that we, we sort of like outlined those three things, right? Digital, digital only events, um, digital or streaming availability as a sort of add-on or supplemental means of, of viewing a project and, and third professionally captured live captures. My sense, and in some ways candidly, like, and this is my own personal view, my hope is that the first of those three models, um, you know, kind of disappears as much as possible. I, I think that a digital, a, a, a an entirely digital performance where people are performing, you know, sitting in their closets and their, you know, and their kitchens and their, you know, wherever they have good sound in their apartment um, and sort of reading, a, you know, reading a role at a screen um, while other people sit and watch those in their, in their homes, you know, that, that I obviously is not theater in, in the traditional sense. Um, so, I would hope that I would hope that now that it's safe to be back in the theater and it, it's safe to congregate, it's and it's safe to perform and collaborate. That that we hopefully won't we won't have to sort of continue with that era of pandemic theater. Um, I think the second notion, which is making a live performance available digitally in addition to the, uh, you know to in-person attendance, I think that that is interesting, right? And so there are theaters, including Berkeley Rep, uh, you know, where you all are in Berkeley, in Berkeley, um, which does offer, you know, I gather, or, you know, has been offering, and other theaters are doing this as well, and the opportunity to purchase a ticket, but to screen, you know, to screen the performance at home uh, from the comfort of your own home. Uh, Second stage recently did this with the final two weeks of performances of Clyde's uh, Lynette just play on Broadway. And so, and I do think that that's important because that allows for accessibility. It allows for people to see things um, even if they are not physically in the city where it's being performed. Um, it can provide another income stream for, you know, for authors um, within reason. So I think that that is, that is important. And I think that that, that can be an interesting tool and, and an, an exciting supplemental tool. Um, and then I think, you know, in terms of professionally captured performances, I, I think that that candidly isn't new. You know, that is something that's been happening for years and years. I think that much of my generation of theater makers grew up watching the great performances, you know, recordings of the Stephen Sondheim musicals, Into the Woods, Sunday in the Park with George, Passion. Um, so that's actually not really new. Um, and I do think the, the existence of so many different platforms and the ability and therefore kind of the need for content on those platforms has been quite wonderful because it is, it is great that someone can go onto Amazon Prime and watch uh, Heidi Schreck perform, you know, her play, What the Constitution Means to Me. It is great that, you know, I can go onto Apple and watch um, Come From Away, which I think was really, you know, one of the great captures that, that's been done. Um, so I think that, I think that that's great, you know, and, and I think that being able to, again, capture that moment in time and that experience of that performance, I think that's, that's really exciting. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm also with you in that, you know, there are some positives coming out of, you know, you know, digitizing Broadway shows being more prevalent. Um, but I am also hopeful that it doesn't um, 
take down the value of seeing a show live. There, nothing beats being able to hear the live orchestra and the lights, the dramatics of the lights. Um, so and I definitely- think that that's right. And I and I think that you know the reality is seeing these captors is great, but but it's not the same experience, right? Agreed. And um, you know, and not even to say better or worse, but it's not the same experience. Watching something online is is not the same as being there in the theater. And 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 I think that's something that we've learned is that you know there maybe was a concern that if something is digitally available, um, people may not spend them want be inclined to spend the money to go see it. And I think we've generally found that that's simply not the case. If anything, it's the opposite. You know, I think um you watch I actually remember watching the capture of Come From Away in September when it was released. And it made me actually want to go see the show again. And I, and I did, you know, a couple of months later and it was great. So I think that that's, I, I think that the, both of these things can kind of exist hand in hand. Yes, I love that. Thank you so much. And this gives us some helpful background into our topic. So I'm now gonna turn it over to my partner, Rainey, um, who's gonna dive in a bit further into, into some of the more relevant legal issues. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you, Kilan. Thank you, Dob. As you know, we all have a general idea of the hardship the business has encountered after the outbreak of COVID-19. Also, we're so glad to see that the business participants such as theaters, performers, and the unions all work together to deal with this unprecedented situation. We understand that the shutdown of theaters has been a disaster for, for, for them with pressures from performers and their unions and audiences. It's look, it looks like live streaming may have been a wise idea to save everyone from this hardship. However, the change of business model is not as easy as we thought. We understand that from an article called The Show Must Go On, Legal Issues Affecting Broadway Amid COVID-19, written by Matthew Windman. He mentioned that Broadway shows have rarely been filmed for commercial release due to prohibitive costs and a long-standing fear that filming a show will dilute the demand to say it live. So there has to be lots of new issues popping up during the forced transition of the business model for theaters and producers. So now let's take a look at all those questions. So first, uh, let's take a look at the script part. So, Doug, could you please talk a little bit about uh, Eurily, who owns the copyright of the script? Is it Eurily controlled by the writers, or is it a work made for hire, or and the copyright comes to the theater? So, does the copyright arrangement form needs to be adjusted due to the need for this um, live streaming of plays? Yeah, so in the theater, uh, in, in the United States at least, um, playwrights will retain the copyright uh, in, their, in their pieces. And so, and essentially when a playwright is granting permission to a producer to present a play, they're essentially granting a license in um, the live performance rights in that play. All other, all other rights are reserved to the author. And so one of the questions that has come up uh, and has come up quite a bit at the beginning of the pandemic is what is the digital performance right? Is it simply um, the live performance right, but um, but with a modified means of, of bringing the play to the end user, meaning rather than um, someone being physically in the space, um, they are simply observing or experiencing the play from their own home. But is, but is that just a sort of a supplement 
to the stage rights that are typically granted, or is it an entirely separate right um, that needs to be granted separately? And a question that is that is being asked quite often, particularly with respect to older plays, um, where audiovisual adaptations may have been made years and years ago, is is that separate from audiovisual rights in the play? Right, which A would be reserved to a playwright typically, but B may have been granted by a playwright uh, to a film producer um, if a film has, has previously been made of that play. Okay. Um, so uh, based on the, 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 the difficulties you've mentioned, so uh, do you ever uh, like handle the uh, similar, uh, such issues for your theater clients? Uh, uh, during during this time, if they w ever want to make a, a a live performance, yeah. So we would either you know we would look at existing rights grants and make a determination as to whether that was covered or not. Um, and if it wasn't, we would usually just you know work with the work with the writers' representatives to make sure that the necessary rights were available. Um, and you know generally, you know this is a hopefully once in a century event, and so. You know, I think everybody understood the uniqueness of, of the moment and uh, was was doing their best to um, move things forward. Okay, so uh, we'll see. This is like a new issue. There are no, not very, um, like case law or statutes to refer to. Would you say like that? Lack of authority. Is that true? This is a somewhat. This is a somewhat. You know, as technology evolves, right? This is a somewhat novel. You know, novel item. Okay. Um, but it is pretty common now uh, in most rights grants for plays to reserve a the right to do a professionally captured live capture, and often you know uh, recently we will often see in agreements the right to offer um, digital access or digital ticket purchase you know digital ticket purchase um, to a live performance um, usually behind a paywall etc. Um, that is just to say that is something that we've seen some not for profit institutions do. We have not seen that happen wholesale. Um, commercially on Broadway yet. Thanks for the clear clarification. Uh, so are there any unions being involved in this process uh, or it's more like um, you can just talk to the representative of the playwriters? Yes, yeah, so you would use, we will typically deal directly with the playwrights representatives, but um, many member, many playwrights are members of the Dramatist Guild, um, which is not, it is not a union, it is a guild. Mm -hmm. um, but the guild will advise its client, you know, its members um, on best custom and practices. Okay, good to know. So now let's um, move to the performance part. Uh, we understand that there may be very little space left for the theaters to negotiate because the unions, the guilds basically have all their terms set uh, based on their standards. But we also understand that with the play being online, there may be some jurisdiction issues between Actors' Equity and SAG-AFTER because SAG-AFTER normally controls the shows that are played online. So is that true? And does that mean the theaters have to be abided by requirements from both the gate guilds? So it is true that there's, it is true that there, that there has been a bit of uh, a question as to who has jurisdiction over certain uh, types of digital exploitations. Um, it is not typically the case that one will have to comply with both um, equity and, and SAG, uh, SAG-AFTRA, but 
there has been there has been some of a some bit of a kind of turf war, you know, just trying to understand as to which union has jurisdiction where. Um, we do generally agree and understand that if a play is being or a musical is being performed in a theater um, and is being streamed digitally to um, viewers watching at home, that that would seem to be an actor's equity, uh, you know, jurisdiction production. Um, because the the performance itself that is being that is being transmitted is a is a live performance over which equity would have uh, jurisdiction. Um, if something is being is is being produced only for digital transmission, um, that is where it can get a little murkier, and mm -hmm. and so there will be a, a variety of factors. And so, apart from the union part, do you think there's any anything new with the performance with actors for this live uh, performance? Where it's with the performance, there are actually nothing special for them because their work is not that different than before. Well, I think it is different. I mean, I think if you're performing, you know, I, I think that if you are performing in digital theater, you know, um, I think it is, I think it is a different medium. It requires, mm -hmm. um, you know, it requires different tools. Um, you know, you often can only use your upper body, right? In terms of your performance, there's usually not a set that you can move around. Um, and, you know, people are also performing in their own space and need certain technical equipment, ring lights and, you know, and the like. So I, I think it is a very different situation. So would that like pose different cha uh, challenges, difficulties for lawyers regarding their agreement or it's more like their art part will be affected mostly? We, we don't represent typically actors and actresses. Uh, we, we typically represent the production. Um, but yeah, I, I do think that there are different um, conversations to be had based on a production plan. Okay, sure. So now let's uh, take a look at the basically the most important part, the production process. So the first question we are very curious here is how does the recording process actually work for those shows that are designed for live streaming? So is it like just an ordinary recording with no specific uh, art value consideration? And the main purpose is to get a whole picture of the show or will you put actual like art value consideration in deciding how to record it and present it, like the position of the cameras, the use of background music, sound effect and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it depends on, it depends on what's being done, but I think that, you know, generally the notion of just, um, you know, putting a camera in the back of the theater to try to get the full, you know, to kind Picture. of capture the full production is very much not you know, what, what we're looking at these days. Mm -hmm. um, the professionally captured, you know, product performances that we that we were talking about earlier. I mean, I think anyone can see that, you know, Hamilton was recorded with the highest of quality, um, you know, as were many of these other captures. If you are performing a show live and digitally transmitting it, um, I'm thinking of, you know, Clyde's uh, at second stage. I'm also thinking of the old Vic's production of, a Christmas Carol out of London in, in the winter of 2020, which was performed on the stage, but without a live audience and transmitted digitally. I think there's quite a bit of effort, right? But into different cameras, different camera angles, but also um, sound, you know, sound and sound mixing um, so that everything can be properly, you know, heard and understood and, and captured. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and actually, and just to say, you know, it is not, it has, 
been the case for quite a while that archivals are filmed, um, particularly for Broadway, the Lincoln Center uh, Library for the Performing Arts records for archival purposes, most Broadway productions. That is for archival use only, that is not mm -hmm. available for commercial use. And while the quality is good, that the, those performances are captured for archival and educational purposes. They are not captured for commercial consumption. So there are different considerations. Yeah, sure. So um, would you say the, uh, the, the new forms of live performance and you need to put more efforts for the re recording for the, for the, and, and put more value consideration. So would that like significantly increase the costs of the theaters? And is that something uh, the business are worried about? Yes, I mean, that is why live captures don't happen all that often. You know, they are happening more often, but they are costly. And so, yeah, sure. um, you know, there needs, somebody needs to pay for it and uh -huh. either pro the producers can pay for it and try to self-distribute. The producers can pay for it and hope that they get a distribution deal that, you know, in a purchase price that will essentially cover the, the costs that they laid out to create the capture or a third party can come in. And so th there's a lot of different ways of doing it, um, but it is expensive. Which entity usually take care of the recording part? The theater and the producer will like do it on its own or like we'll find an independent contractor to handle it? Yeah, it really depends, right? Um, there, there are instances in which the theater producers will do it themselves, will raise the money and do it themselves and then sell it. And then there are instances where a production company will come in and pay for it and then mm -hmm. uh, find distribution. Um, so it really does depend. So uh, maybe finally about the production part, will there be any like new copyright issue come up with the recording? So who owns the, the copyright to the recording, like normally the, the theater or the online platforms, or they are just like the distribution platform? The, the, the platforms usually do not, um, unless they are also the producers. Um, mm -hmm. But the that will depend on the production and distribution deal, but it's just important to remember that whoever owns the copyright in the capture does not, or, or in the digital version, does not, does not by virtue of that, acquire any ownership in the underlying play that has been captured. Sure, yeah, that's a different work. Um, so I think I, my part is almost done. So do you have anything else you want to share with us from the theater side? No, I, th I think that that uh, pretty much covers it. Okay, thank you. So now I will uh, turn the mic to my colleague, Shimmy. And thank you, Rennie. And I think Doug has already answered a lot of my questions. And now I'm really curious about how to have a remote live performance agreement and how to co cooperate with the streaming platform. Because I think this is a new uh, platform mode and I believe it creates a lot of new legal issues, right? So um, my first question is, today, if a people wants to prepare an online performance, then what details do they need to pay attention to? Like, uh, how can they get the first step and how to cooperate with the online platform? Can you share some of your experience? Yeah, I mean, so I will say the, the sort of work that, that we're doing, you know, generally, um, 
we'll have a designated, you know, we'll, we'll either live in a designated platform, right? Like um, Amazon Prime or Netflix, or somebody will purchase the distribution, you know, we'll acquire the distribution rights. Um, but there are other instances, particularly when, when we're talking sort of about the, the kind of digital theater that was created, you know, during the pandemic, um, that would often be broadcast, you know, through a dedicated page on YouTube or, you know, something like that. Mm -hmm. And so of course, you have to represent to those platforms that you have all the copyright and permissions um, to, you know, to put that content up. And if anyone, if anyone complains um, or, you know, says that you didn't have, you know, that you are infringing their copyright, et cetera, you know, then, then the platform can, can look into it and can, you know, remove the content. Oh, okay. I got it. Yeah. So usually uh, people will protect, uh, prevent their copyright by themselves or they just that the platform to do that. I mean, uh, the the, plat have... the platform doesn't the platform won't obtain a copyright in the work the the party creating the work will own the copyright in the work. Okay, I understand. So, for these kinds of situations, could you give us some advice that how to prevent the copyright infringement? Because we all know that when we put in pictures or music or videos on the internet, then maybe a few minutes. Mm -hmm few minutes later, they will have thousands of copies, right? So if I am an actress or I'm a performance, I want to prevent my copyright and um, what should I do? Well, the copyright owner should always be diligent about uh, policing for infringement. Mm -hmm. um, but also you, th this, I think you highlight one of the reasons that generally something like a YouTube is not, I think a preferred route, right? I think um, in the example um, of, sort of theater being available both live and digitally. So if I can purchase a ticket to view something digitally, that will typically be done, you know, not in an open platform, but in a dedicated, you know, password protected um, link, usually behind a paywall. And I think that that is one of the major ways that, um, you know, copyright infringement is, is protected. Uh, would you advise your clients that maybe adding some hidden watermark on the live videos or some? Yeah, I, I think I think watermarks. I think watermarks, password protection, paywalls are all you know are all smart. And because I think we discussed a lot in the Rennie and the Kellen's part, so I think that is all of my questions and. Great. I'm wondering if you have any comments to share with us about the, how to protect the copyrights. You know, anyone should always confer with counsel regarding, you know, um, ownership and copyright registration and, uh, and as I said, policing of uh, any potential infringement. Okay, thanks a lot. Then we are back to Kellen's. Doug, thank you so much for your time and speaking with us today. But before we let you go, do you have any last thoughts about the process of digitizing shows? This can include any general advice to aspiring lawyers and producers or those who practice in the industry. Yeah, I, I think um, I, I think we're sort of in an interesting moment. I think that um, what, what is exciting is the notion of increased accessibility. Right, so that the ability to digitally transmit 
uh, performance, whether it's a performance that's happening live um, as a supplement to those who are physically attending that performance, or whether it's a, a distribution of a professionally uh, you know, captured production. I think that those in the right circumstances, um, if they are well done, if they are you know, properly, properly done and um, properly curated, I think can only help in terms of increasing accessibility. Um, financial accessibility, geographic accessibility, um, et cetera. And ultimately that's, that is what theater is supposed to do, right? Theater is supposed to um, promote the active engagement of ideas between uh, performer and creator and audience member. So I think it's important, I think it's always important to view it in that lens, but not as a replacement for the live component, because ultimately theater is, you know, at its root, a live performance. Um, but so that, our, so I think whenever we're talking about captures or, or digital, digital exhibition of theater, it's important to remember that this is a supplement. It is not a substitute. Right. Agreed. Thank you so much. That's really rich information. Thank you um, for your time. That is all for today. Um, thank you for sharing so much insight for us and our listeners. And thank you listeners for tuning in today. We hope this podcast has been informative and you were able to understand just how much goes on behind the scenes of theatrical productions. As we anticipate soon heading into a COVID-free world, or at least COVID-lighter world, it's good to have the tools and resources needed to navigate this now emerging way of performing. Thank you guys so much. Thanks. It was great.